Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Middle Age Gaming Podcast. We are a bit delayed today. Apologies for that. It is changing temperatures here in Taiwan, which makes me want to sleep. And maybe that's why Adam wanted to sleep as well. So today we are switching up things again, or maybe not things again. If you listen to the podcast, they were a bit switched up. But today we're going to be talking about today's topic, which is Valentine's Day, protagonists of color, people who have changed gaming, games, of course. And today we're going to start right off with Adam. So Adam, what is the game you're going to talk about today? Okay, so my first game is The Walking Dead. Uh, this game came out a long time ago. This is, what, 2012, I think was the first one or something like that. This was originally on the PS3. It's made by Telltale Games. They no longer exist, I don't think, but they were able to get the final season out with help from, I don't remember who the other developers were. But anyway, I'm focusing mostly on season one, although all four seasons actually technically in the first season you are following lee lee is a person who is accused of murder he's been accused of killing his wife throughout the series there's always some debate as to whether he actually did it or not you do eventually find out the truth but that's way towards the end of the season i'm not going to spoil that for you but this is in the walking dead world the same as the comic book the same as the the same as the comic book the same as the the game and it is the, game, the tv show and so while Lee is exploring this world, he comes across this little girl. Her name is Clementine, and he has to take care of her. And the great thing about this game is that your choices really matter. Uh, it, it is done as more of a graphic novel kind of style. I and mean, it's not a graphic novel with the still pictures and whatnot, but it is very much story-based. There's not a lot of quick-time events or action that you have to do. It's mostly based on the choices that you're going to make throughout. And those choices will have repercussions. It's going to depend on how much other people trust you, and depending on how much they trust you, how are they going to react to certain situations? How long are they going to survive? Will they survive? Those sort of things. And you go through the whole season one, and when you're done with season one, you go into season two, and your choices from season one are going to carry over into season two, because in season two, the main character is now going to be Clementine, and she, the things that you've taught her as Lee are going to carry over. And so she's going to have memories of things that he taught her. Did you, was, were you quick to say, this person's been bitten, we need to get rid of them for the safety of the group? She's going to remember that. Or if you're the kind of person that has compassion and says, let this person, if they want to give it a chance, we're going to maybe tie them up and wait to see if they turn or not. And she's going to remember that as well. So this game is really good. It's really hard hitting. This is one of those games where I'll admit it, like I cried a couple times throughout, you know, this this one's really impactful emotionally um, and really well done. The characters are all really strong. None of them really fit. Some of them might appear to fit a stereotype very early on when you meet them, but the longer you go, they turn into very nuanced people. One of the characters in it, Kenny, he's, he's your typical, like, redneck that you would expect out of King of the Hill, that kind of guy. And you're like, oh, this is just a stereotypical, you know, southern pride redneck kind of guy he's a father he's a he's got a wife uh, later on he his wife does eventually pass away and he ends up with a, another woman and you're seeing just how he changes the a lot of the defensiveness you might chalk up to bim being like oh he's just this gung-ho gun guy but no a lot of it's more based about like i got to keep my son safe that's his number one priority he's a dad above everything else and i really think that this is a really good game about that because all the characters are really fleshed out and this is one thing that i feel like it just works really well because you might on a surface level see a character and be like i'm not going to like this person but there's always something to relate to them 
on some level. This guy's a complete asshole or whatever, but he's a dad. And then there's another dad who's in conflict. If you're watching on the screen right now, you can see that these two guys arguing, both of them are dads, right? But they're coming at it from two completely different angles. The one dad, his daughter's quite a bit older. She's, I think, a teenager already, or maybe 18 or something, or maybe even an adult. Whereas Kenny's kid is still 11 or 12. He's around Clementine's age. And just the two ways that they deal with it, like Kenny's just, I got to keep my son safe, but I don't want to hurt other people to do it. This other guy's, I got to keep my daughter safe and I'm willing to do, I'm willing to screw anybody to get this done. But they're both relatable fathers. And yeah, and then Lee himself is a surrogate father because he has to take care of Clementine. She's not his biological child. He didn't even know her a few weeks ago, but he's still the number one adult that she trusts and he's the one that found her first. Yeah, I would definitely recommend this game, even though it is quite old. I think they did do a new release on the PS4 and PC and all that. So definitely pick that up. You can get the full season and highly recommend it. I'm trying to do play this. Yeah, first two seasons actually I didn't finish, but that was great. And also I started but not finished because I didn't find it as interesting. The other Telltale Walking game, Walking Dead, sorry, with Michonne. If you like Black Samurai Girl instead of Little Clementine, you can go for Michonne, but Clementine's storyline is still much better, to my taste at least. Yeah, my wife and I are actually playing the final season right now. Hey. Yeah. So, yeah, they have different protections. It's good, huh? It's so far, we've only done the first episode, but it is really interesting. So, yeah, the first season, the lead protagonist is Lee. The second season, the lead protagonist is Clementine. The third season, the lead protagonist is, a, I can't remember his name. I think his name is Javi. He's a Latino guy. But he's a former baseball player. And then the fourth season goes back to Clementine. I think so. I didn't do the third season because I somehow lost my data from season two and I couldn't carry them over into the next season. Uh, hey, no, I don't want my choice to be forgotten. Yeah, the third season was an odd choice because you do meet Clementine, but you don't meet her until, I, I guess, like maybe episode two or three. You don't meet her until much hey. later. And she's, and she's a secondary character. So some of your choices carry over into her situation and the ways she'll respond, but they don't necessarily impact the story directly because you're playing as a character who wasn't part of her group initially. Hey, I should have done this. And... So yeah, that's The Walking Dead. Uh, Antoine, you were going to talk about bloody valentines. Yes, exactly. So, you know, if you're romantic, you know, you're all roses and chocolate and stuff. I should be romantic and French. When I went to Steam and I could see bloody valentines, I was like, hell yeah, that's my stuff. And bloody Valentine's on Steam, that means Mortal Kombat 11, that means Back for Blood, that means the whole fear games given, literally. It's between minus 75 to minus 85%. So go ahead, you can, all of these are great games. Enjoy your Valentine's and make your girlfriend scream. Or if you don't have a girlfriend, play in the dark and scream yourself. Oh, <laughs> and, scream, uh, okay. I didn't hear the S on scream. that. Scream. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, that's the, uh, the sale I, I recommend. There's a few sales, but this one is the best to my taste. I didn't find any romantic game sales, strangely enough. Or maybe I just didn't look well enough. Adam, I had a feeling. Did we talk about Clementine and The Walking Dead before on a previous episode? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, okay. we did. A while ago. Like a okay. year or two ago. We're getting older, so all that stuff just blends together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Was that another 
Black History Month thing because that would be embarrassing if I <laughs> referenced the same date twice. <laughs> Fred, I should have done some more research on that. I don't know. I didn't even think. Well, now, who has time to go back through our God? How many episodes? <laughs> more than a hundred and something episodes. That is uh, another issue. But it's a good okay. game. You can't get enough love. So. Yeah, you start of this sounds so interesting, and I'm like, oh, this sounds very depressing as well. Yes, it? I can admire it from afar. All right, you want to talk about yours? Yes, this was actually the game I was going to talk about the last week of Deathloop. But yes, I'll talk about it today, coincidentally, with Adam's topic. This is a game I had I, like, when it came out. I'm like, this is cool. I liked Dishonored 1 and Dishonored 2 was really fun. This is made by Arcane Leon. Leon? Leon? Antoine can say that. Leon. Yes, it is a absolutely like really, I'm going to say this, it's like a really fun game, though. I think after five hours, I'm starting to feel a little bit irritated in a way, but this is just my personality, less about the game. Basically, you this guy, you can see him on, on, on the trailer right there, Cult, a cool name as well, real like muscly, like alpha male sort of guy. And then you wake up on a beach, you have a bottle of whiskey in your hand, you're like, oh my God, how the hell did I get up here? And then you later on find out that you are stuck in a time loop right? Or a death loop as the game's aptly named. And to order to break this loop, you have to kill seven visionaries or the seven like head honchos who created this little time loop, right? And the only thing is when you, as you start off, you're like, you, there are three parts of a day, right? A morning, afternoon, evening, and you can only, in the beginning, you can only kill one person per time. So that's three people. And then the time resets. And okay, how the hell do I kill seven people in three sections of time? It's not doable. But as you do some research, you figure out, okay, in this part of the day, these two people are hooking up in the barn somewhere. I'm like, I can kill them both at the same time. Now, as you're killing people, the game gets harder. Oh my God, someone's trying to break the loop, right? And so the game gets harder. Then while you're also killing these people, the other sort of girl over there, Juliana, is hunting you. And so that is a bit of a pain because she's also pretty strong and she killed me I think at least four times when I started playing the game and in this game I've died Jesus Christ 26 times already because you do die and that is just part of the game but there is like a cool mechanic in that you get to as you do the three morning afternoon evenings you get to choose stuff to keep so like okay I have this gun this gun is really cool I have this mods of this gun I'm going to keep this gun for the next time I die and when the next time you die, you wake up, you have this weapon. And it's really interesting. There's a bunch of like stories and stuff about there that I listen to, but it's just the idea of this tear in the fabric of space and time was created because some energy thing happened and they released a catastrophic amount of energy which broke space and time. And so now all these people in this little place are stuck in a loop and they know they're all stuck in a loop so they can just go around murder, killing having sex, doing whatever the hell they want, whoever they want, because it doesn't matter because the next day everything resets. So like you kill people and I killed Juliana seven times already and the next day she just wakes up. I remember you killed me and I'm going to get you back now. And then she eventually gets me back and I die. She's a pain. But yeah, it's, it's a fun game. It's a huge game as well because this is about 75 gigabytes uh, on a PC. If you're a person who has a smaller PlayStation 5 or a PC, th th this is definitely something. And this game runs hot, but it runs beautiful at 4K. It is impressive. If you play Dishonored 1, Dishonored 2, all the cool mechanics are there from teleportation to doing really interesting things. It's, 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 it's what you expect from a AAA game. Absolutely impressive. As I mentioned like a bit earlier, I'm a bit irritated because I, this is just 
is not progressing the way I would like in a sense is that I'm like, I died a few times and I'm like, oh God, this is just, I'm feeling a bit irritated by the amount of times that I died. I'm like, this is not going far enough. I'm not, I feel like I'm the old question of you guys listen to our podcast. I'm I'm not getting my one hour's worth of game time, I feel. So this might be something that if you're like me, you might want to play this mixed in between something else where you feel like you're progressing a bit faster almost. But yeah, cult, fantastic. Again, person of color, Juliana as well, impressive. And every time you die, there's like new bits of dialogue into cult and Juliana's relationship that you learn. And that it's a cool game. Didn't you like Hades though? I did love Hades, but Hades, you always get in progression after you die, like always. This, you getting progression, but it's like story progression, which I care less about. Oh, okay. Yes. You're not necessarily getting stronger. Yes. So this game, it takes you at least a good three hours to finally get to the point where you're like, oh, I feel like I'm getting stronger. So it's also, and the stories, and it's very well voice acted. Like the whole Cult and Juliana thing is just awesome. Like they're just killing each other all the time. And that's pretty fun. And that the voice actress for Juliana is amazing. Cult's act, actor is amazing. But yeah, I, I'm about a 60% chance of actually finishing it. We'll see how it goes. But we'll see after that. Yeah, I'd be that's curious it. to see someone who played both this and Returnal and say how similar they are. Because I, I know that's got a similar mechanic where... You told me Returnal was hard. Like this game is not hard. Okay. I die all the time just because you're weak. You're not like a super powered Warframe armored suit right you're a guy who has body armor but you're surrounded by these crazy psychotic juliana and the other seven like bosses who are around this place not to mention all the cannon fodder who can't add up at times so it's you die because you're weak not because the game is hard okay yes all right then let's move on and your second choice all right, so my second choice is a newer game. It is called Season, A Letter to the Future. It came out just last month, January 31st. And I don't recall off the top of my head who the people who made it was, but I have that on the list, but uh, pulling that up would disrupt our videos. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, this game's kind of interesting. Basically, what happens is in this world, there are things called seasons, and each season is basically... I don't even know how to say it. Basically, it ends after some form of apocalypse or some form of apocalypse and the world comes back anew or whatever. And there's the, this season is coming to an end. So part of it is trying to figure out like what's going to happen. I think there's supposed to be some sort of flood or something where people are trying to flood this valley that you're in and that's somehow tied to this grand apocalypse. But the problem is that when people people will survive the apocalypse, but memories will not. And so basically when people, when these seasons change, people, I guess, basically wake up in this world and with no memory of the previous season and just have to make their way and survive. So in a way that might be a blessing because if there are wars or if there are things that people are not getting along with or there are problems, all that's wiped away. In that sense, we all wake up. We don't know if we're enemies or friends. We don't know. But on the other hand, you might not even recognize your own family. So if you're not, so if you wake, if you're in university and you wake up in some college dorm, you'd have no idea who your family were. You'd have no idea how to get back to them. And they'd have no idea who you were. So these sort of things, so the memories basically disappear. And so the main character, her, she's tasked with going to this valley and documenting basically as much as she can so that there will be some sort of record. So after this apocalypse, then people will have some record of the past 
that they can use to remember who these people were, what they were doing, what was important to them, what did their, what were their relationships to each other. So you're documenting people's lives. And it's filled with this kind of melancholic sensibility throughout. And so the reviews have been a little bit mixed. From what I've heard, the performance is a little bit better on console than it is on PC. I've heard it's not really optimized for PC. So if you do get a chance to play it, probably play it on the console. You'll probably have a slightly better time with it. I guess less lag or that sort of thing. The visuals are said to be extremely beautiful, just absolutely wonderful. Uh, the, the people who developed it worked alongside with the same studio that did What If, the Marvel series. Uh, so if the visuals look very similar to that's why, that's why they could get it looking so beautiful. It's supposed to be based off an, an oil painting. They, the audio is supposed to be really good. There's not a lot of music. It's mostly ambient sounds. You're riding your bike through a valley and you're hearing birds chirping and cows mooing and maybe like a church bell in the distance and that sort of thing. So it's supposed to be a very zen relaxing. I have heard the controls are a little bit rough though. So there are times where you're walking and there's like a small stone and you get stuck up on the stone. And so it might be a little bit hard to control or a little bit frustrating to control the character. The bike has been described as being a little bit drifty. Sometimes you think you can make a shorter turn, but you end up with this long arc of a turn. Uh, so the controls are a little bit rough, but it feels a little bit slow. Like even when the character's running, it's still a leisurely jog. So if you're the kind of person who's really like, oh yeah, let's get to the next point. No, this is very much about the journey, not about the destination. As I said, the destination, nobody's going to remember what the journey, the destination doesn't matter. We're all going to end up there, but the journey is what's going to be what you're recording. But then a word that shows up in a lot of the reviews are the word profound. And this is a mixed bag because some of the reviews are like, oh, these, when you meet these people, they're really well fleshed out. The voice acting is really good. And these people feel like real people. They have real wants, real needs, real memories. You know, they lament the loss of the past or one person's a widow and or with a child and talking about, oh, it's been hard without the father or that sort of thing. Or one person's kind of an older guy and he was really big into music and he's talking about he went to a concert and it was this amazing thing that all these people from different backgrounds who in real life might not get along at all, all felt a sense of camaraderie when they're at this concert because they all love the performer. So they all, no matter, even if you're enemies and hate each other, we all love the same person. And it was just a beautiful thing. And so some people say it's really profound. It's really deep. It's really has these really great insights into human, into human, the human experience. But other people go the opposite way and say, it has this idea that it's, takes itself too seriously and it takes itself it makes itself there's all these deep things ultimately they're all kind of meaningless like it's this thing where it's oh yeah like we all felt that we love this character but it's but it's like it doesn't really matter in the long run that was just a moment in time and it felt profound but it doesn't change anything about the reality of what's happening it doesn't change anything about and that's your experience other people in the crowd might not have had that same experience that was another thing that i saw in a review the person was saying we're documenting all these things but when you take a picture of, so you might be able to select what kind of notes you want to write on the thing, but the character will say, okay, this is what happened. This is what this means. But the fact is that the character is not finding the truth. The character is writing what they think it means. And in the future, so we can have a record of the future to carry on to future generations that can look at this and say, oh, this is the lives these people lived. But the fact is you don't actually know these, these lives these people lived. This is what your interpretation of it. How is that any different than if they had seen a photograph sitting on a table and made their own interpretation of it? It's no different. So in a way, these documenting these things 
are meaningless because basically instead of having everybody have their interpretation of it, we're all just going to be building off of this one person's interpretation of what everything is. And, you know, a lot of times when people speak very big, it's like you, you say a lot of pretty words, but you say nothing. And some people feel that the game does a lot of that where it's like, oh, okay, this sounds profound, but it doesn't, it's just a guy talking about how he misses his wife. Like a lot of people miss people in their lives. We, many people ex experience that or understand that. So it's not as deeply profound as you might think it is. And it's also really short. It's about six hours. So if you're if the kind of person who's looking for something relaxed where you can just experience the people and take it slow, you'll probably really, really enjoy it. If you're looking for a game that's like a puzzle game where you're trying to solve things, this is pro and you want to, you're the kind of person who's feeling impatient, you might not enjoy it as much. So that's something to keep in mind. And the other thing I heard was that as far as things, you might go into an area, you need to document a, you need to document this area. And the person's like, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to document. It's not really clear. So they just point a camera at a cloud and it says you need to take five pictures of this area. So they just click five pictures of the same cloud and it's great. You've documented the area. And it's, no, I took five pictures of the same no. cloud. That wasn't really <laughs> documenting. So yeah, so it's, it's, so sometimes it just feels like you can game the system a bit. So really the game, this game is about how much you put into it. So if you put in the effort, if you put in the time and take it slow, you're going to get a lot out of it. But if you just want to get through it and you're not putting that much into it, you're not going to get much out of it either. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds quite interesting. Yeah, it seems like, and like it is quite short. So this to me seems like for mm. me, this would be the kind of game where I might play something like Elden Ring, something that's hard and difficult and long. And then I'm like, I just need a palate cleanser before I do my next game. And then something like this, it's short, it's simple. There's no real goals. It's just kind of let's fill out this map. That would be in its short five, six hours do that. And then great, you know, for maybe a day or two, probably be able to finish it and then move on to my next game. So this definitely seems like a good game to fit into that niche. Something like Journey, for instance. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I saw people comparing it to games like Journey, but the difference was they said in Journey, there's almost no dialogue. Yeah. And in this, there's a lot of monologue. So there's a lot of, when you take a picture of something, the character says, oh, this bridge was built by blah, 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 because they wanted to connect the two towns. But ultimately... The two towns didn't really have enough to trade, so the bridge ultimately ended up unused, not because people didn't want to be connected, but just because they had no real reason to connect, or something like that. So let's say something along those lines, but then saying those sort of things all the time as you move through. So Yeah, not really the sort of game for Korean, I think. No, yeah. That's the thing is like it's a mixed bag for Korean. Korean gets bored with things really easily. And in that yeah. sense, I think he could get bored with this. But at the same time, he really likes those kind of relaxing sit down games. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'd be really curious to see him play this and see how it went. Too much story focus. Too much story focus. <laughs> um, the first monologue you would give it. <laughs> right. But it's not story focused in the sense that there's a story beat that you need to follow. It's more story focused in the fact that you're unlocking bits of the story as you go. It's not a direct story. No worries. Okay, then let's move on. I'll go for my second story of the day. And because I like to go off the track, I'm, I took like Black History Month very literally. So away from video games themselves, I want to see the actual history and the people behind the games. And because I don't know much of actual people behind video games, especially for in this story, I'm talking about things I wasn't even born at the time. So it's old. 
And I wanted to talk about something that no one knows, the Fairfield, the, no, sorry, the Fairchild, what's the name of this stuff? The Fair, <laughs> Fairchild sorry. Channel F video game console. Yeah, Channel F for fun. So Fairchild Channel F released in 1976. So that's pretty old. And what's interesting about this one is that it's the first console with a microprocessor into it. So that's literally your, the ancestor of your PlayStation, the very first one. And what's even more interesting, it's the first console having the cartridge onto it. And we owe this to a guy called... Jerry Lawson. I forgot. Jerry, I was Jamie? No, not Jamie. Jerry. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Lawson. So Jerry Lawson is a person of color who invented the cartridge system, quite literally. So, you know, next time you play on your Switch and put your Pokemon cartridge into it, hey, think of a good old Jerry. He's the one who made it possible. And what's also interesting, apart from all this like groundbreaking breaking stuff at the time, is that it forced a small company called Atari at the time to release their Atari 2600, who is the most famous console at the time. I recall, remember that it's in the 90s. At the time, this console was so revolutionary that they had to hurry up to release their, it was their second generation console at the time. And yeah, they put pressure on the big name of the game. So well done to Fairchild. And yeah, so if you're interested in in this, I recommend that you go on maybe the Wikipedia page of Jerry and learn, learn more about this guy. He's, he's quite late. I can't even speak anymore. Sorry about this. No, See, I'm having super short story compared to you guys, eh? You <laughs> to stick within the minutes. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I like the controls here. This is kind of an interesting... Where is it? There it is. Yeah, you see the... It's, yeah, there's just two and... joysticks on sticks. It's uh, yeah, exactly. kind of interesting. Yeah, and this is the first cartridge-based console. Do you guys ever remember this growing up, though? Because I don't remember this, like, in South Africa. The first Nintendo I remember. No, but... it even says here, if you look at the Wikipedia page, it said something about... It says Apparently, that it, it wasn't, was a it big sale. Yeah, it wasn't a big seller. Okay. Oh, right here it, says. it only had 23 cartridges across its uh, whole life. Yeah. But uh, again, yeah. 1976, mate, you weren't born. <laughs> the Atari uh, 2600 and even Atari, here we go. The okay. 3600 was more something that we would recall. So it says right here, it actually featured a variety of controls, including a new eight-way joystick oh, uh, and a cool. pause button which I guess had not been a thing prior. But it was not as successful commercially, but the cartridge approach was popularized with the Atari 2600. But see, that's something that I didn't know at all about. And uh, oh, without uh, Black History Month, I would be, uh, would be completely uh, uncultivated about this. So very happy that I found that. Yeah, he said he was, the, he was a sole black member of the Homebrew Computer Club, a group of early computer hobbyists that included several who became well-known, including Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. So wow. he was in the same group as who, those two guys. That? Yeah, and uh, Lawson noted that he had interviewed Wozniak for a position at Fairchild, but did not hire him. So Wozniak actually <laughs> wanted to work for his company, and he said, "I'm not going to hire you." So, yeah, mm, not sure if that was a good insider, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, he, Fairchild could have been Apple, like maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, you live, you learn. I don't know how I felt about that. But yeah, no, this is really cool. Yeah, and I heard about this guy, and now I'm glad I have. Very cool. I think, what do you guys think about, we, we shift gears a little, and I think you guys might know more about this. Why don't we talk about Wanted Dead? Wanted Dead? Oh, I've heard about it. No clue about it. It's, again, this is another thing that was trending, and I thought you guys might know more about it, because I don't know. Okay, now I know what it is, yeah. 
I remember so, now. It's made by Team Ninja, right? I guess so. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, <laughs> this feels like an adamant I'm taunting because it's. I saw something about Hong Kong zombie killer game. I'm like, okay, yep. this is definitely not me. It's made by, uh, oh, maybe it's not Team Ninja, but it's the same people that no, made Ninja Gaiden. And yeah, I've kept my eye on this, actually. And the release today or yesterday for you guys. So yes. Valentine's Day. On PS5, Xbox One, PS4, Xbox Series, and PC. Yeah. So this is, let's see which one this is. Okay. I'll pull it up here. Oops. And yeah, this is made by the same people that did, like I said, DOA. They did. Do you want uh, to tell people what is DOA for those people who do not know DOA? Then what are you doing with your life? No, Dead or Alive, <laughs> which probably I guess no, only Whoa. slightly more helpful. Dead or Alive is the fighting game with uh, Jiggle Physics, famous made famous for its Jiggle Physics. <laughs> yeah, it's the, been the center of that debate for pretty much since that started. Uh, but basically, yeah, this is supposed to be closer to Ninja Gaiden. So you're going through. And the reviews are terrible. Oh my yeah. god, it got crushed. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, reading a few things. Yeah, I was looking at it, and there, there's been a couple games lately that I've been that I saw early stuff on, and I'm like, "Oh, this looks really cool," and I mark it on my wish list. And then later on, when as more reviews come out, or not reviews, but as more information comes out, I'm kind of like, "This one was one." Wild Hearts is, an, but yeah, it's basically if you've played Ninja Gaiden, then you know what to expect from this game. It's just your high action hack and slash deal. This video is it's got a lot of it's got a lot of anime influences in it. Today, I watched the trailer and it looked like this girl was like John Wicking stuff with one gun, yep. hand with a gun, one hand with a sword. It looked, it looked really cool. I'm yep, like, this she is kind of cool. Robot arm. Yeah, no, it's like Ninja Gaiden. You're running her through the level. You've got all these, your Devil May Cry. You've got all these combo moves and that sort of thing. I'm just watching the, I'm going on Steam and say, checking and seeing mixed reviews. I click on it. First comment, magnificently mediocre. The best words to explain it, to explain this game. Okay. Interesting. So not my wish list. Yeah. I'm trying to find a video here real quick that has gameplay. Oh, here we go. Yeah. This one has gameplay. But yeah. So if you're looking for a quick test and slash, I stumbled on my words there, but quick hack and slash where you're looking for just a lot of action, then you'll probably enjoy it. But it does, from what I've seen, it does have that over the top kind of snarky kind of humor to it. And it doesn't okay. take itself too seriously. So this is not like an established franchise because I saw this and I'm like, and when I looked at Google Trends yesterday, this was trending in, in a few different terms. I'm like, what the hell is this game? And then I'm like, oh, this is not what I expected. I thought it was a new IP. I've never heard of. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask. You guys are more experienced with this sort of stuff than I am. So that's what I wanted to ask. No, I think this is a new IP. Okay. And uh, it's not going to last long, I think. Probably not. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> And then I saw this is priced at $60 in Steam. I thought everything was going to be $70 moving forward. Should be. Maybe they knew. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Okay. And I guess the other thing, since we do have a few minutes, is Adam, you were telling me about, or you're telling not me, telling us about this, that the, the PS5 loss oh, currently is a thing, just, but not a thing anymore. I don't know. That's a good question. So there's been a couple lawsuits. For the PS5, people come out with these every now and then. There was one a while back about the controller drift. So there was a fast action lawsuit saying, oh, these controller drifts, we, we, you owe us money because our controllers have drifting issues. So people tried that one. Don't think that one panned. This one was, I guess a woman came and said, hey, I got this. I got my PlayStation and there's a defect uh... in it that I'll be playing in the game and the PlayStation will crash and all my progress will be or at least the progress i don't know it doesn't save my progress or whatever 
when it crashes, which I don't see why it would ever save your progress when it crashes. Isn't that kind of the part of the definition of a crash is that it just closes things out? And if you haven't saved, you haven't saved. I don't really understand. But anyway, she said there's this defect and it causes games to crash or it causes the entire console to crash. And then you lose all your save, you lose your save or you lose your data or you lose progress or whatever. And this is an issue that Sony is aware of and they're still selling consoles. And so they're selling defective consoles. So I'm going to sue them in this class action lawsuit. But obviously the fact that you have not heard about this on the news kind of demonstrates the fact that, yeah, there might be an issue in some PlayStation consoles, but it's not a big universal one. It might be just a defective console, not an issue that Sony as a whole is aware of as a, oh my, just sweep this under the rug kind of thing. And so it looks like that one's not going to pan out either. I think this is just one of those frivolous people trying to get money where they're like, I'm going to try to not even so much I want to sue you as much as I want to take you to court just so you'll pay me off just to not have to deal with the hassle of me. A settle out of court thing just to make it go away because it's a pain in the butt because people do that. So I think it's more that. I don't know why it was trending now. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the court date's coming up. But... Here's an idea next time. Call Sony support and exchange your PlayStation. I did this for mine. It works very well. So I, I just Googled this. this. The actual <laughs> issue yeah. is... Go ahead. No, on my PS4, it came 40. I just called the support and they send me, I'm sure later maybe, they send me the pre package. I packed it, send it, they say, ah, yeah, indeed it's effective, send me a new one. And everything within three or four days was fantastic experience. And I didn't have to sue anyone. Hey, <laughs> terrible. Eh? Yeah, no, as I Google this, the issue is the 30% that Sony charges for Games. Oh, that was another one. Yeah, that was another suit is that they were saying like, oh, Sony's charging 30% of these games and taking part of that profit. But the thing, Steam does that. Xbox does that. That's literally the industry Every, standard. Apple so, does that, which is why they got in trouble with Epic. Yeah, so you're, yeah, so it's like we're suing you because you're following the industry standard. They tried. Yeah, that was another one. So yeah, apparently, like I said, there's been quite a few of these kind of lawsuits. So yeah, I don't know why this was trending all of a sudden now, but... But I think it's because this recent one is that it, it is a continuation of the epic Apple lawsuit. And then like Adam, you and I talked about this before. I think the real one talked about like back in the 90s when we were kids in high school or middle school or junior high school, whatever you want to call it, Microsoft was taking like 90% or 80% commission for selling games and back in those days to be a publisher for somebody else so if you were making games and microsoft publishing they were taking 80 percent it's come down to 30 and 30 is still pretty hefty that explains kickstarter and other stuff but yeah that do you guys foresee this going anywhere in the future this is the monopoly that if you do want to sell a game on the ps5 store you do have to let sony take that 30 percent that's but i mean that seems to be universal right that seems to be the industry standard it's not like they're being any more greedy than anybody else except for, I guess, maybe Epic. But isn't Epic's it's, part of the Epic thing is partially because they're trying to entice people to join their thing. So they're purposefully low, doing it lower because they're trying to entice people over to Epic. And then later, once they get all those people, they'll probably just rise up to meet industry standards. Similar to Game Pass being like, hey, we're going to offer these games for super, super cheap. We might have to look at a price hike in the future. Or Netflix with, oh, hey, we're going to make this super, super convenient and we're going to pull people away from the DVD market. We're going to get everybody on our streaming network. But then once we do, now we're going to have to match the, we're going to have to start raising prices to meet operation costs. So, yeah, I don't think this is Sony being particularly malicious. I just think that's at least no more malicious than the industry as a whole. Yeah, Just I don't to think tell you, 
Yeah, just to tell you how old this practice and practice is, take your Nintendo Entertainment System, so good old NES, you see the big gray cartridges? On the cartridge, there's a big yellow golden sign saying Nintendo seal, seal of quality or something like this. That's the 30% you're talking about, or even more at the time. So you had to pay to get this seal. Otherwise, if you really sit on the console without getting, you could release a game on, uh, on an S without a Nintendo seal of approval, but then it wouldn't be released in the proper channel and stuff. So basically Nintendo is decided whether your game is going to sell or not. You have to sell it's going to go through. You can't go to a GameStop and they'll sell it. Exactly. No. I'm definitely off the mind that it is 30% is too much in this day and age. It's what are you paying for? Data is cheap, right? Data is free, at least in Asia, it's free. We don't pay for data. so. Why is, and is Sony helping with marketing? Maybe a little bit, a banner ad here and there. And it's not just Sony. I'm saying Sony, but I think everyone shouldn't be charging 30%, right? Steam shouldn't be charging 30% for sure. So I think as an industry practice, I hope that goes away because then we just get, we'd finally get to a point, at least for me, where I can have everything on Steam or everything on Epic or whatever the hell it is, right? Instead of being this huge fragmented marketplace, just like streaming TV is, which irritates the hell out of me. Isn't that kind of how industries always go though? Originally it was just Netflix and then it fragmented. Originally it was just basically the Atari and then it fragmented. Basically it was just Steam and now it's fragmented. And once you get, once things seem lucrative enough, people want in, right? Of course. That's the nature of business, right? Once, otherwise you have a monopoly and people, A, don't like monopolies and B, they want a piece of the pie. So if they see that you're getting the whole pie, they're like, what's a piece of the pie? I just want a piece of it. Yeah, I don't think that's, I think that's just, the nature of not even necessarily business but just it's just nature true, if true, you have true. a if you have a natural niche if there's a tree and the tree grows fruit and there's only one animal that eats that fruit other animals are going to come along and be like you know what that animal gets a lot of food and i don't have i just have scraps over here maybe i should start eating that fruit too and then they're all crowding in on the tree <laughs> i like that analogy that makes sense yeah all and right of course uh, the very... tree needs something in return to be able to continue making fruit sure. okay then i think we'll call today's episode to a close and then next week potentially we'll just be adam and my and no for sure we'll be adam and myself potentially Antoine as well we will see next week if he can make it and then the following week you guys will have be in for a special show which will just be the adam solo show potentially with somebody else if he wants to go that way yeah no if anybody's watching this or listening to this and they want to join me so i won't be alone please feel free and we will do a guest episode we can talk about anything you want you can pick one game and we will discuss it or we can pick as many games as you want you can pick a console you can pick whatever you want i will talk about anything and i mean <laughs> i was thought you were gonna do like the history of final fantasy for an hour on next week next next week's no podcast. that would be too short <laughs> that would be too short. I would need more. I could maybe do the history of Valkyria Chronicles. That's only four games. Oh, okay. Games, including the other one. Still shorter. Still shorter, yeah. <laughs> All right, and on that note, then, we will see you guys next week, Wednesday. Although next week, Wednesday, we can talk about some of the cool upcoming games that have been on Steam, Next Fest, and Kickstarter, and that sort of stuff. I have a few ideas for that. And then we'll see you guys next week. See you then.